the ASCO Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton. My name's Ryan Wilson, uh, former teacher and author. Ryan, you've got this uh, great book out, a very entertaining book, Let That Be a Lesson, which uh, reflects on your time as a teacher and reflects in particular on some of the young people uh, for, for, for good and ill reasons who you remember particularly well. But just give us, before we get to the book, just give us a bit of a sense of um, how, how you found yourself in teaching. Yeah, well, it's not a story that paints me in a particularly wonderful light, I have to say, Jeff. But I, I um, wanted to be a teacher since as as early as I can remember. Um, I think for my eighth birthday, I got a, a blackboard and chalk, um, and I, um, it's a kind of nerdy gift. Oh, it's oh, it's so embarrassing to even talk about. And um, I remember, you know, my poor little brother, you know, setting him various tests and assignments and. Um, you know, and marking them and calling registers and and um, so really from as, from as early as I can remember, I didn't really want to do anything other than teach, which is just the most terribly tragic thing you've ever heard. And doesn't it turns out um, doesn't make you a very cool kid, <laughs> very, doesn't make you very popular in the playground. Um, but then all through that, you know, lots of people tried to put me off, uh, and a lot of teachers tried to put me off and say, you know, you should him higher or you should um, do something where you earn more money um, but really nothing changed my mind the whole way through school university um, I didn't really want to do anything else other than teach so it's very very sad to admit and so were you were you the kind of uh, student at school who teachers would have loved to have had in their classroom <laughs> oh dear oh <laughs> uh, I probably was um yeah, I mean, I you know, I really, I, I really enjoyed school, and it's hard to know how much of it's looking back with rose-tinted glasses, isn't it? But I did love school. Um, I just have my memories of it are mostly just laughing, and you know, um, uh, I can be a little bit cheeky, probably a little bit precocious, but um, overall, no, I, I, I love school. I have to say. So you kind of move through your own school career with a view to then becoming a. Uh, a teacher so so what what happens then T tell us kind of through, through through your degree and then through into your first uh job as a teacher yeah um so at university um i studied english um and the, throughout university there was there was a chance to do work with schools and to bring school kids into the university for tours and that kind of thing and i loved doing all that and i spent a lot of my spare time doing skills liaison work um, all through university. And um, again, I, I, none of that put me off teaching. I just thought, it's, you know, this is still a, a job that um, I aspire to. And, and um, I couldn't really understand why everybody wouldn't aspire to do that job because it's just so wonderful working with young people. That's, that's how I felt at the time. Um, and then uh, I went to Homerton in Cambridge to do um, uh, teacher training um, and I remember just being so excited you know really thinking since I was a young child this is what I wanted to do and here we are uh, arriving to start doing it and um, and you know that feeling where you go out on your first teaching practice I'm sure you remember it yourself yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. uh, you know the idealism that I had where I thought I was going to change the world you know and in my head uh, I would um, you know, start teaching about Shakespeare and, and probably by break time, uh, the kids would be starting their own Shakespeare companies in the, in the playground. Uh, and, um, you know, they'd be, they'd be converted to a love of literature. And uh, uh, it turns out it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't quite happen like that. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Sadly. 
Yes, it's not quite the the, the Robin Williams view of uh, being no. a teacher for everyone, is it? No, yeah. no. But, but but did you find yourself? Um, I mean, you what you write about in, in the book, and you do it often mm. in the present tense. This is a kind mm. of nerdy English teacher point. Isn't it? Mm. You you kind of talk about I I have a boy called X in my mm. class or whatever it is. So mm. it's very vividly presented that. So the whole kind of memory of young people and how they affected you was was that one of the key ingredients that you you enjoyed that or did you become disillusioned with young people who weren't perhaps inspired in that kind of uh robin williams uh, well, i can't remember the name of the film now um, um yeah, dead poet society dead yeah society. in that dead poet society way did, did you find yourself disappointed that the enthusiasm you thought you were bringing to the party wasn't always reciprocated by the youngsters you were teaching Oh, such a great question. Uh, I mean, no. Um, I, I, throughout my teaching career, I, I ended up teaching for 10 years and I, I felt disillusioned and let down with plenty of things. Um, but it was never the young people, I have to say. Um, of course, they're frustrating at times. And of yeah. course, um, they bring their frustrations uh, at times. Um, but no, and I'm sure a lot of people in, the, in leadership and, and in teaching positions may identify with this. But the bit in the classroom is the is the joyful bit um uh and um i'm certainly not saying that every lesson i taught was um a tour de force of teaching by any means but um even when they went badly it's, it's not the young people i was frustrated with um and you're right there's you know those there's so many young people that i think back on and the memories are just so vivid of them uh and i write about a boy called uh oh gosh I just need to check what I actually. I, the problem is, Jeff, that I I've changed their names in the book, and I forget I forget yeah. what I, what I've changed them to. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, who was? Oh, who oh, was I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I, I used the name X a minute ago, thinking, well, perhaps you don't want me to mention <laughs> that, but, you, but you've already done that process with a little bit more creativity than me calling the boy X. <laughs> uh, yes, Kieran, Kieran was the one was the one I was thinking of, yeah. uh, and uh, he was. Um, it's this wonderful kid in, in, um, in the, you know, I don't like the term low ability group, but he was in one of the lower sets. Uh, and, um, uh, and he was just such a character, you know, and he was like this old man just trapped in a body of a, of a 15 year old. And when well, one day we were studying the poem Search for My Tongue, which you all know better than I do, about, you know, moving from one country to another and learning, you know, the difficulty of learning a new language when you get there. And I remember saying to the class, uh, okay, I'd like you to close your eyes and imagine that you're in a foreign country and imagine you're walking down the street and maybe somebody's coming up to you and asks you something and you, you can't understand what they're saying and just, you know, um, you, can't, you want to respond but you don't know, how, you don't know what to say uh, and I got them to open their eyes and I want you to write down two words that, to describe that feeling of, you know, being in a different country and not being able to speak the language uh, and um, you know, gave them a couple of minutes and said, "Would you like anybody like to tell me what what words they've written down?" And this uh, this hand went up, sure enough, from from Kieran. And uh, I said, "Yes." And he said, um, uh, "Well, I've I've written that I would feel uh, distressed and erotic." <laughs> hey, great, great vocabulary, though. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Well, I guys, you know. Distressed, brilliant. I wouldn't change that at all. Wonderful. Do you know what erotic means? I mean, he no, but he said, you know, you said to write down the best words we could think of, and that was the best word that came to my head at the time. <laughs> can you can you remember? There's there's a a point where you're teaching um, 
a year eight class about Much Ado About Nothing, you're introducing them to Shakespeare. Uh, yeah. can, you, can you remember the anecdote about what Ben says when you ask uh, <laughs> about, about Shakespeare's plays? Yeah, I mean, it's... it's um... I always think with teaching, there is no room for uh, pride or any time you think you're sort of getting good at it. I mean, they will absolutely just bring you back down to earth. So we were, we, we, like you said, we're doing much much to do about nothing. And I said, we're, we're going to be studying a play by William Shakespeare. Very exciting. Um, does anybody know any other plays that, that Shakespeare's written? Uh, and uh, Ben's hand went up and uh, he said, well, I'm not 100% sure. But I'd say I'm probably 99% sure there's one called James and the Giant Peach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, now, you know. there are plenty of people who become teachers and either stay in the teaching profession or leave the teaching profession. Mm. We're going to t talk a little bit about you moving into leadership, head of English and stuff in mm. a minute. But what, why, write a, what, why, why did you write a book about it? And it's, it's described mm. um, as a, a kind of love letter to, to teaching and a love letter to teenagers. And that, that's the way it comes across. It reminds me, if, if people have read the Gervais Finn books, mm -hmm. and his, in, in a kind, they're, they're, they're more saccharine, actually, but they're a kind of... Um, James Herriot's mm. education saga. Uh, very funny, lots of little insights, poignant moments. What, why did you write the book, Ryan? I suppose what I thought was there are a lot of, well, a few things. Firstly, I thought that every day in teaching there are all the ingredients of stuff that you'd want to make a book. There's joy and tragedy uh, and uh, hubris and uh, you know, uh, success and failure and all those things and incredible stories that you hear from kids. Uh, all teachers do every day. And so I thought there are all the ingredients there for a book. But more than that, I thought, I just bet there are loads of parents uh, who drop their um, kids off at school every day and have no idea what school is actually like for their kids, but for the, the people who are teaching them as well. Um, and I am very firmly of the opinion that teaching is the most noble, wonderful, fantastic, heroic job. Um, and I was keen to share that message with more people because I, I find it very frustrating sometimes the, the standing in which teachers are, uh, are held in society um, and uh, you know I, I just I, I suppose I wanted to, to more people to know what a, what a tough brilliant job teachers do um, that was the reason behind the book yeah that comes through really clearly so just Give us a sense then of what happens next. So you're you're kind of cutting your teeth as a, a teacher for all of the kind of the the, the joys and the, the moments of frustration and stuff, and then you start moving into leadership because that is the traditional trajectory, isn't it, of people who are good good teachers? You promote them essentially, increasingly out of a classroom. That's what happened to you, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and I um I uh, writing the book about the, I was I came out as, as gay which was um, part of moving to, to London and part of moving to London was was taking up a, a, a promotional job uh, a promotion as um, as uh, as head of English in a in a in a, in a city school and um, I find it tough being completely honest having come from uh, teaching in quite a nice part of Essex to teaching in an inner city school was tough um, taking on a leadership role a, a big department of uh, 18 or 19 teachers was tough um, and the kids were were you know difficult in many respects as well um, so I, and like you say you get pulled more into management 
uh, often without really any training in management. I mean, you know, um, you're just sort of expected to be able to do it because, <laughs> because you can teach. Um, and yeah, it was it was a very steep learning curve, I'd say. Yeah. And so ultimately, you make a decision that so you're going to move from education. You've moved into working in radio now. What was that a tough decision? Yeah, in in many ways it was because. Um, all through all through the decade that I was teaching, I've, I've you know in some ways nothing changed from when I was eight years old and wanted to teach. The actual classroom bit, um, I still find brilliant and stimulating and challenging and rewarding and frustrating and all those things, but just a, a you know a privilege and a joy to do, and I felt that right up until the day I left teaching. The things that I find frustrating were um, the hyper accountability, uh, the um, you know the the that we were in Ofsted's thrall. I felt that in the school I was at, so much of what we were doing was not for the benefit of any child, but was for uh, the benefit of Ofsted, and I find that incredibly frustrating. Um, the, the 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 straw that broke the camel's back um, was when we were discussing in an SLT meeting whether we should have a minute silence for the victims of the Tunisia terrorist attack, and I said I thought we should. Um, and somebody senior to me uh, said that they agreed, but um, because Ofsted really liked to see that kind of thing. And just, I find it so frustrating that, you know, we can't just do things because of the right thing to do. It has to be because it's what Ofsted would want to see. Um, and, and, and budget cuts, that was the other thing I find very frustrating. Our school was, um, had to, we had to do the, the curriculum plan and the timetable, um, we're trying to save two million pounds year on year, um, cutting loads of staff, and it was just awful to watch. So it was a difficult decision in some ways to leave, and I, I, I sort of look on it as a break, and I'd love to come back to teaching at some point, but those, the frustrations outweighed the joy, I suppose, by that time. Yeah, I mean, you capture beautifully the, the kind of the, the, the funny bits of working with young people, but also the solidarity with other members of staff just mm. just finally you can, can you remember that that story about uh, year eight of doing their exams and you get a note from miss cavendish <laughs> yes <laughs> um yeah miss cavendish was zoe this this wonderful colleague that i um trained with um and uh uh then got a job at the same school as and we, we taught together for a few years and, and very sadly towards the end of our time together she contracted breast cancer and, and sadly she's no longer with us but um, just the, like you say, the solidarity of that relationship. And she was teaching across the corridor and she sent a little child in with a note uh, and um, said, you know, Miss Cavendish has sent this. And, uh, and I opened it and it said, is this, is this the most boring time of your life or something? Because they were sitting doing an, <laughs> doing an assessment. Uh, and, um, you're right. I mean, the solidarity among teachers is another wonderful thing about the job. Um, and... Uh, yeah, you know. I think that that often doesn't get communicated. When I when I was I, I was head of English in York, yeah. and it used to there used to be a joke. I think it was when I was in York uh, that the science department would take some hapless year seven and say, "Could you just go to the biology cupboard and ask the technician for three yards of fallopian tubing, please?" He's got a teacher teacher in jokes, as it were. But anyway, look, it's it, it, it's uh, you, as you know, I, I read a huge amount. Um, Ryan, this is a genuine uh, joyful book a great celebration i think to a young man who uh, i wouldn't describe it as tragic that he wanted to be a teacher i think it's fantastic and i think your enthusiasm through all of it and your 
depiction of the pressures and the way leaders can sometimes buckle to what they think they ought to be doing rather than what, frankly, they ought to be doing is incredibly well described. And we're looking forward so much to seeing you at our conference in, in Belfast in a few weeks' time. So let that be a lesson. Ryan Wilson is the book. And thank you, Ryan, so much just for talking a little bit about your career and about the book just now. Oh, what a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you, Jeff. The Ask All Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton.